Welcome to Yoga Minutes. This is John, your host. Yoga Minutes provides you with short, informative lessons to inspire your practice. And in today's episode, we're once again considering the question, what is yoga? This time looking at it from the perspective of the classical Indian text, the Bhagavad Gita. If you'd like to follow along in this podcast, feel free to visit www.justbetours.com backslash blog, where you'll see a post on the Bhagavad Gita's insights into the question, what is yoga? The Bhagavad Gita is translated to English as celestial song or a song of God or song of heaven. It was composed as a tiny, less than 1% portion of the epically long epic Mahabharata during the 2nd century BCE or 2,200 years ago. 100,000 verses are divided into 18 books, and that makes this collection three times longer than the Bible. And in this particular book, the Bhagavad Gita, which has been translated into English a whopping 650 times, which kind of gives some insights as to how beloved it is, there's just two characters who enjoy a very long conversation in a setting that takes place in northern India just before an 18-day battle of the mythical Kurukshetra war. Arjuna is the archer prince caught in a violent power struggle with extended family who seek to violently seize power. And throughout the entire book, he converses with his charioteer who has transformed into an incarnation of the god Krishna. Krishna here bestows the wisdom of yoga and unity and meditation and then advises Arjuna to fight. We'll get into that on another episode, but for now, if you have to read just one chapter for a good perspective of classical yoga, according to the Bhagavad Gita, that would be chapter 6. Here I'll share some of my favorite passages in the Bhagavad Gita as it relates to yoga. And in chapter 2, verse 48, he says, Perform action, O Arjuna, being steadfast in yoga, abandoning attachment and balanced in success and failure. Perfect evenness of mind is called yoga. Another translation says, spirituality implies equanimity, where spirituality and yoga are used synonymously according to two different translators. Next, we have chapter 2, verse 50, where he says, one engaged in devotional service rids themselves of both good and bad reactions, even in this life. Therefore, strive for yoga, which is the art of all work. Also translated as skill in action. And also translated as spirituality is the real art of living. Next, we're going to chapter 6, where he says, What is called renunciation you should know to be the same as yoga, or linking oneself with the Supreme, O son of Pandu. Pandu was the father of Arjuna. For one can really never become a yogi unless he renounces the desire for sense gratification. For one who is a neophyte, who is new to the Eightfold Yoga system, work is said to be the means. And for one who is already elevated in yoga, cessation of all material activities is said to be the means. A person is said to be elevated in yoga when, having renounced all material desires, he neither acts for sense gratification nor engages in fruitive activities. 
He continues, the mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and his enemy as well. For him who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best. He goes on, the mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and his enemy as well. For him who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best of friends. But for one who has failed to do so, his mind will remain the greatest enemy. Later on in chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, he says, Such a person is situated in transcendence and is self-controlled. He sees everything, whether it be pebbles, stones, or gold, as the same. A person is considered still further advanced when he regards honest well-wishers, affectionate benefactors, the neutral, mediators, the envious, friends and enemies, the pious and the sinners, all with an equal mind. You may be familiar in the New Testament where the disciples ask Christ, Lord, teach us to pray. And he responds with the famous Lord's Prayer. Well, here Arjuna asks Krishna, teach me to do yoga, teach me to meditate. And the response is this in chapter 6, verse 11 through 15. To practice yoga, one should go to a secluded place and should lay kusa grass on the ground and then cover it with a deerskin and a soft cloth. The seat should neither be too high nor too low and should be situated in a sacred place. The yogi should then sit on it very firmly and should practice yoga by controlling the mind and the senses, purifying the heart and fixing the mind on one point. One should hold one's body, neck and head erect in a straight line and stare steadily at the tip of the nose. Thus, with an unagitated, subdued mind, devoid of fear, completely free from sex life, one should meditate upon me within the heart and make me the ultimate goal of life. Thus practicing control of the body, mind, and activities, the mystic transcendentalist attains to the kingdom of God by cessation of material existence. And I'll finish with one final passage. Chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, he says, There is no possibility of one's becoming a yogi, O Arjuna, if one eats too much or eats too little, sleeps too much or does not sleep enough. He who is temperate in his habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. When the yogi, by practice of yoga, disciplines his mental activities and becomes situated in transcendence, devoid of all material desires, he is said to have attained yoga. So there you have it, a few passages from the Bhagavad Gita as it relates to our question, what is yoga? Coming up next, we're going to explore the question, what is yoga, but relating it to the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Until then, keep loving yourself, keep loving each other, and keep practicing your yoga. <laughs>